0: This is the woman behind the business. Featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livus.
1: This week on The Woman Behind the Business, we're talking about the importance of project life cycles. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livas, and today we have a special hour enriched with two heavy hitters to empower, uplift, and keep you motivated throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Our first guest is the CEO and founder of the Ellison Group, LLC, Nicole Parker Green, as a workforce process leader in providing innovative client solutions. Since forming the Ellison Group in 2007, Nicole has expertly managed and overseen project life cycles of new construction and renovation projects within government and commercial markets. This has resulted in securing numerous notable clients, growing the company in both scale and capacity, all while achieving significant revenue gains. And I can't wait to learn about these revenue gains and how you secure these major corporations that you've renovated and gone in and did major construction um, for. So, thank you so much for being here, Nicole. Thank you for having me. All right. So, one of my favorite questions to ask is, why did you decide to launch your business? And along with that, in an industry that is heavily um, driven by a male-dominated industry. So, for me, I've always wanted to
2: be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. not really knowing at an early age what specifically I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And after graduating from college, working in the government for a year, in which that government agency was under a new construction project, and that's how I landed in construction after doing it for so many years and so curious about it. I wanted to be able to continue with the male dominated industry. And for women, there weren't many women in it 20 some years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just became a passion of mine to, to be able to want to do something that a male was doing that they said women couldn't do.
1: Now, what obstacles did you uh, did you face? Because, you know, when it's a male dominated industry and especially it's construction, you know, when you think construction, you're thinking hard hats, you're thinking the steel toe boots. What was that like for you? Like venturing into that?
2: So for me, there's this uh, internal joke that says, here comes Nicole the hard hats and heels. And because I wear heels all the time, um, I always have my boots or my sneakers in the trunk. And so whenever I convert from the heels to the boots or the sneakers, they say, Nicole, I didn't realize you were... And I finished the sentence that short. So I stand (laughs) just five foot two. Uh But for me, in that conversion, as a woman, I have to walk three times as fast Uh just
1: to stay ahead. Right, right. So when you are at these construction sites, what is it like? And I'm guessing you're the minority, not just that you're, you know, a woman, but you're an African-American woman. So what is that process like? So for me to see it evolve after
2: twenty, some 20 years, uh, where women, you didn't really see many of them, there's so many women in construction, and there are con- women in construction industry groups that I'm a part of, and I get to connect with uh, the minority woman, the woman of another color, and we're all minorities as women uh, when it comes to construction, but to be able to walk on the site today from before, there's a much deeper respect for it, but There's still some lack of respect. And so, you know, when you walk in the room, you just have to
1: own it. Or when you walk on the construction site, it's really about owning it as a woman and all that you do. So one of the things that I, I mentioned when reviewing your bio, which is amazing, is the number of notable awards and recognitions that you've received over the years. What does that feel like? like going into this, it doesn't sound like this was like a lifelong dream of yours, but entering into this this industry and commanding attention and respect, what has that process been like for
3: you?
2: So for me in the
1: process, um, as I said on a panel yesterday, one of the
2: things I signed up for in business, I was always the person working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. the project manager getting the job done and wanting to know everything about the job. But when I signed up to be an entrepreneur, I didn't realize that I was signing up to be in front of people or to be at the forefront and just not doing the job, but having to know everything there is about that job and getting educated along the way. And so just doing what you like doing and it being your passion, all at the accolades, they just come. And so it's just a blessing to be able to do something that you love, um, which is in a male dominated industry, the accolades came and um, as they started to come, you know, I would just, you know, continue to thank God and uh, pinch myself. I can, I can remember getting the call um, on um, probably one of my most proudest moments. And that's the cover of Black Enterprise as a small business owner where I was selected. And um, going to Black Enterprise, I was actually at Coca-Cola trying to get a deal with Coca-Cola in Atlanta at the time. And I got the call um, from one of the editors at Black Enterprise. And, you know, they asked for me and I said, you know, speaking. And I was walking into a conference room and they said, well, this is Derek Dingle from Black Enterprise. And I said, who? <laughs> and he said, "Derek Dingle." I'm like, "Okay, how did he get my number? I know that name." And so he said, "Well, do you have a moment?" And went on to tell me that I had been selected, and I was in the middle of a hallway. And all I could do was just uh, lean against the railing. I couldn't believe it. I about dropped to my knees and he said, you've been selected to be on the cover of Black Enterprise and we've been watching your walk. And so, you know, just to know that people are watching you and respecting what you do and knowing that you work so hard for it, you know, it's just a great feeling.
1: That is awesome. I love it. I mean, to hear how someone of your stature, even you is taken aback when things like that happen I think that that's a phenomenal um story and a blessing for other people to hear that because a lot of times people they see people and they think oh this just happens to them and this is nothing but to hear how you know amazing that that opportunity made you feel and presented for you now did you get the deal with coca-cola I did Yay. I did I did I <laughs> did all right, so last year you celebrated 10 years, right, in business for the Allison Group. What would you say that you've seen over the years is one of the biggest uh, mistakes that entrepreneurs or small business owners make? I would say one of the biggest mistakes at
2: each level of business you go, you really have to know how to pivot for growth. And so how do you pivot to that next level? And so one of the slogans that we've adopted at the 10 years last year is what does we we looked at what the first 10 years look like. And so how do we strategize for success and pivot for growth for 10 years and beyond? Just what does that look like and what do we need to do? Along with that, you know, and through prayer through prayers, we say, okay, next level, next devil or new level, new devil. Mm. So how do we, you know, maneuver around those roadblocks that may be in the road and how do we best prepare Mm -hmm. for when those come up? Because they do come up.
1: Right. And so do you help? small businesses. I know you do a lot of speaking. I know you launch launched the no- Nicole Parker and building up your own personal brand. Um, so do you offer coaching or things like that for entrepreneurs? So
2: for me, my biggest passion is mm-hmm. really about giving back in the community mm-hmm. and to be able to give back to other business owners because I was that business owner at first that didn't think I would could do it or didn't know where I was going to go. But I knew that I was destined for something mm-hmm. and I didn't have my roadmap plan. So to be able to give back and help and coach, those are the things that I love to do. Now, how long and so did I'm it, often speaking on panels.
1: How long did it take you to navigate to a point where you were like, oh, this is my sweet spot. This is my space. How long did that process take? So to be honest with you, it was sort of like
2: a bump in the road. I was 14 years in this industry, um, had often said, "You know, I wanna start my own business and not really knowing what I wanted to do or having the fear to do it. It wasn't until I went in one day for my yearly review mm-hmm. um, at the last company that I was working for, I was the VP mm-hmm. and carrying 70% of the revenue and mm-hmm. sales there. And at my yearly review, I got awesome accolades and was told how wonderful a job I've done, but was told that I wasn't going to get the promotion until the end of the year. Well, I was carrying 70% of the revenue. I knew that the money was coming in, um, but I knew that there were owners that were not so great with their money. And so it was not just with me, but it was with the people that I actually managed as well. And so that day, it just felt like my whole chest caved in to be told that and to to feel a little disrespected. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the lack of respect that I felt that they had for me, I went home and I talked to my father and I cried at his kitchen table. And I just said, you know, all these years I've worked, you know, so hard to navigate and I put my all into it. I give 350%. And I said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And he says, it's your time. You need to quit. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at him and I said, well, what am I going to do? I have this son that's entering into high school. Um, I'm going through a divorce. I was Mm -hmm. going through a divorce at the time. And my father said, you're going to quit. The next day, I went back and I gave them two documents. One was my termination letter. The other was a letter to be a consultant. And I had reached out to some of the contracts that I worked on to let them know that I was going to be leaving the company. But they said, no, we want you to still work there. And so they had no choice
1: it's so amazing because um we've had of course numerous women on the show and i I remember another story that sounds very similar um to where she was just like yeah i'm fed up but when you have the the support of their clients like well i don't really know who i want to handle my caseload or whatever then that kind of gives you leverage yes um so outside of that situation What was that first year like for you? I mean, because it sounds like you kind of had a little bit of a buffer to help you get started. Um, So I would
2: say yes, a little bit of a buffer. But I always say there's two things in life. And that's whether you're an entrepreneur, or just people individually, you have to have the two Ps. And that's the personal and the professional. And if if you don't if the personal is not right, the professional is not going to be right. And so as I navigated through that first year, as a consultant, I had to find out how I was going to get health insurance. And, you know, I went from getting paid biweekly to getting paid monthly to, you know, so it was a, an adjustment to make ends meet. But I was also in the midst of going through a divorce and living with my parents. What well, ended up, um, finding out that I was more in debt than I thought through my uh past marriage and I was 75 thousand dollars in debt so not just that first year but those first four years I had to regroup and reconnect and say Lord I came this far to start a business and I had no idea that it was going to go in reverse before mm-hmm. it in the negative forward. before it went to positive, Mm -hmm. right, rent forward. And so I ended up staying with my parents for the first four years of my business and just said, I can't quit. I can't quit. I can't have bad credit because I have to have these uh, contracts. Mm -hmm. I have to have clearances for these government jobs. And so it was Really putting that faith over fear and really pushing through, having the momentum to really push through.
1: Now, did you have mentors or like a, like what was your support system?
2: I did. So, uh, my parents were a great support system. And then, mentors that I leaned on were past bosses that I used to work for. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, other people that were actually in the industry that I was able to connect with were also a great help as well.
1: Now, While visiting your uh, nicoleparker.com website, I noticed that you had an article where you talked about how to find corporate support for your small business. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think that it's very
2: important for small businesses to find corporate support and how do you find that? And so there are three things that I I would say that are very important as a small business that you just cannot sacrifice, and that is your legal,
3: Mm.
2: your CPA. Mm and your HR. And so with that, for me, when I first started my business, I knew who I wanted to use, but could not afford them. Mm -hmm. And so, but that didn't mean I didn't go and make visits and have consultations, which were at no cost. And so for that, with that, most people, where they make mistakes are, they'll pick someone that's a friend that's in that arena that does taxes or someone that's legal. But you really have to find that corporate support that falls in your line of business. I mm-hmm. think that is very important. Also, leaning on different small business supports, say in SCORE or the Small Business Administration, where they have free training Mm -hmm. and free classes um, for businesses. I think that's very important as well.
1: Now, currently, are you intricately involved with any of those programs to help teach and facilitate learning for startup businesses?
2: So with SBA, as well as some of the other organizations that I belong to, National Association of Minority Contractors... Uh, Women Presidents Organization, Women Business Enterprise National Council. I actually do training or facilitate on panels as well to give back to other small businesses.
1: Wonderful. That's awesome. Thank you. I mean, this is why I have, I've, I mean, I remember the first time that we met, probably like three, three years ago or so. Um, and I think it was like the American Express small business yes. event. And I just instantly like fell in love with like how you conduct business, how you interact and engage with other people. Because a lot of times when people get to a certain level. They almost become like untouchable and unapproachable. And so I commend you for not being that way and always being willing to give back and have conversations and to help people and to mentor people. So let's talk a little bit about the, your different brands. Um, so you have the Nicole um, brand and your website. What is it that you're hoping to do with launching um, your own personal brand?
2: So for my own personal brand, that's really about giving back and speaking to small businesses or startup businesses that actually want to start and connecting with people to help them find resources that they may, may not be able to find
1: or know where to look. I think that's important. Now, is it just, do you just focus on people who are interested in construction? Or is it just every sector of business? Yes. For someone that's launching their business. And then you also have a clothing
2: line or something along those lines? So CEO Lux is a new clothing line that I'm launching. And it's a women's line of blazers that I am excited about that will be launching this
1: year, later this year. Like your blazer that you have on tonight? Similar. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop there. (laughs) And then what about your nonprofit? Talk to us a little bit about your nonprofit. So my nonprofit, my nonprofit
2: is my baby. Um, Because I work in the construction industry, Ellison Group Foundation. So we call it EGF. And we just became a 501C in the last two years. Congratulations. We have launched our first endowment at my alma mater, Virginia Union University. And we have five more to be launched uh, this year before the end of the year. So we're excited about that. And the focus is in technology because in our culture, African-Americans, we are the fastest consumers of retail IT products, and that's your iPhones, your Androids. We are the first ones in line purchasing, but we are the smallest creators Mm -hmm. of that. And so the tables that I sit at, the construction tables that I sit at, when the IT people come in the room, they don't look like us. Mm -hmm. And so my mission is to be able to help reverse that. We need to really be able to educate our children on information technology. It is so key, and it's the driver of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's everywhere we look today. It's in our homes. It's in our offices. It's in our cars. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere.
1: And now, what are some of the different things that you guys are currently doing? Like, do you have programs or um, trainings available to um, kids and their parents? Like, What are some of the initiatives that you So the
2: first program that we're actually working with, I'm working with a lady by the name of Sherita Herring um, at Creative Images. Um, she is actually from Los Angeles, California, and she's a grant writer and she's also the one that helped us launch our 501c3. But she is assisting us with writing our technology programs for HBCUs. Mm. So one of the things that we did last summer was We did an assessment on all the hbcus there's roughly about 117 hbcus and of that there's only 34 with it programs wow and of the 34 all of those it programs are not up to date with what's trending in the market and so my goal is to set up technology chapters on HBCU campuses where they can connect with the larger colleges and universities globally
1: to help bring them up to speed. Now, this would be the perfect break to go into our tech minute, but I have one other question for you. What's next for Nicole?
2: I would say what's next, Um, looking at acquisitions now Mm -hmm. um, to add at the next 10 years and beyond is something that I've been studying for the last two to three years and something that I'm looking to break into this year, as well as expanding the brand for Ellison Group Mm Foundation CEO Lux okay
1: wonderful all right so at this point we are going to hop into our tech talk um so stay with us and nicole is going to stay with us and then we will be joined by miss dawn stafford who's going to talk to us a little bit about staging and interior design and all that wonderful beautiful stuff that goes into your amazing buildings that you're creating absolutely so stay with us this week on tech talk we have two of our cybersecurity gurus in studio with us so i'm so excited to hear how i need to get my cyber hygiene in check um <laughs> our guests are miss kiana gainey who is the ceo of secure tech 360 and we also have miss angela dingle of ex where she is the ceo thank you ladies for joining us
3: Thank you, Angel. Thanks for having us.
1: Absolutely. So this week we are talking about cyber hygiene as it relates to your desktop. Um, Tell me like a few different things that we should be doing to ensure that our desktops, especially our computers at work, um, are secure.
3: One of my favorite tips for people that are so easy to solve is to simply cover the camera on your laptop or on your desktop. Wow. Why, why is that such a simple yet important feature? Well, hackers are able to uh, use the camera on your laptop or on your desktop to do a number of different things. They can do a lot of damage. Uh, they can use the camera. They, they can... Um, If you click on a link that you weren't aware of, software can be installed onto your computer where they can take over control of the camera from with access to the camera. They can record you when you don't want to be recorded. They can record things that are going on in your workplace or in your home that you don't want to be recorded. They also can record your keystrokes, Mm -hmm. which means that they can get to your password. They might be able to get to some of your uh, vital information, steal your identity, break into your systems, compromise your computer.
1: Now, what can you do to be protected from something like that? Kiana, do you- when when you when if you're not using the the camera the feature right you should turn it off
0: um, and you can do something as simple as putting tape over the camera. I've even I was watching Shark Tank yesterday, and someone came up with an invention just to slide, um, like a little doodad, over the, the the camera. So there's different things that's on the market that you can do as well, just to protect yourself, and just also just be conscious and also uh, educate your users and even people in your home if it's at home. You know, when you're not using something, turn it off because mm-hmm. when it's on, that means it's open to the world.
1: Awesome. So that is definitely a piece of advice I will start to implement. And I know I've seen, um, Angela, you have the little sliding device over <laughs> over your camera. I think that was the first place when I, I saw it. Um, and a lot of times I think They give them away at some of these like different vendor events or um, conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, ladies, please make sure and gentlemen, make sure that you're grabbing those. Um, Don't just pass them by and think, oh, what is this? I have no idea how to use this Um, because it really can keep you protected. So thank you, ladies, for joining us and sharing this information about how to keep that little keyhole peephole (laughs) closed. Um, If you want to learn more about this cyber hygiene tip, you can join us online at WBBtalk.com. Welcome back to the Women Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we just wrapped up a conversation with Nicole Parker Green um, from the Ellison Group. And now we're about to switch gears to interior design with my dear friend Dawn Stafford. Don launched what can be called one of the most premier event concierge companies in all of Washington, D.C. As the founder and creative director of Gathering Souls, she intricately intertwines interior design and events management to make special occasions unforgettable. She pours her heart and into providing her clients with unforgettable events. As CEO, she grasps her clients' visions from all turns into reality through precise coordination and management. Okay, Dawn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, because I know you, right. I know that you spent over sixteen years
4: as a nurse. I did. And then what happened, right? Yes. Break it down. Okay. <laughs> So maybe I should just go all the way back first yes. as, a, as a kid a taking you all the way back as a young girl I always loved interior design. you could find me in my room going through a Spiegel catalog and rather than asking Spiegel. for clothes I remember Spiegel. right oh, yeah don't <laughs> let don't let me date myself while we're here um, <laughs> right? going through a Spiegel catalog and at Christmas time I wouldn't ask for shoes and clothes I would ask for a comforter um, I remember wanting my first Scandinavian bed. Um, I was always there. However, also as a little girl, also I knew I was going to be a nurse. I knew that was my passion. I knew I wanted to help people. Um, so that's the field I went into. I spent 16 years in it. It was wonderful. Um, and then I had the privilege of marrying my husband. We were in two different states. I was in Florida. He was here. We went to high school together for one year, never spoke we courted, I moved back. And at that time, we decided to start a family. And I made the decision that I was going to stay at home, but I didn't want to not do anything while at home. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was like, nursing is always going to be there. I'm always going to be licensed in two states. It's a time for me to follow what is really my passion. Not that nursing isn't, but there's something that burns deeper inside of me when it comes to design. And so I... um At the time, Corcoran School of Arts was open, uh, which has now since been uh, gained by GW. I put my application in. um, I paint as well, put my application in. You had to put in a portfolio, and they accepted me. Um, And I knew that if God was saying yes, they were going to say yes, and I was supposed to make the turn. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I found myself here.
1: Now, I feel like, And a lot of the things that I've seen and a lot of things that you talk about, you intertwine your love for nursing and how you care for people into how you help execute their projects. So talk to me a little bit about how you bring... The two together.
4: I honestly feel like, as much as they're two total different professions, there is so much that is intertwined. One, you you have to listen. Um, You have to take time to understand. You have to be patient. You have to be kind. You have to um, allow the person to get to know you, and you have to get to know them because to understand and execute what someone wants visually. Mm from their verbal communication and we all do not verbally
1: articulate very clearly
4: we do not um, everybody has a different language and so that takes time and that's the same thing that happens with a patient in a room when you're speaking about I'm speaking one language which is medicine mm-hmm. one they don't understand and they're speaking layman's terms and mm-hmm. it's the same in the design, for, uh, design world or design firm or design communication um, and at the end of the day you want to see that person happy and excited and to some extent healed, you know, Mm -hmm. a a greatly designed environment brings a lot of joy to any individual.
1: Now, what was one of your first projects that you were able to execute um, once you made that transition? Was it a large client or was it more of a,
4: um, hey, you know, let me
1: try this out in your home to see what I can do? So
4: I'll tell you, my first project was actually a um, fellow nurse. Who was older than me? She was actually a night nursing supervisor and she wanted to remodel a sunroom. Um, It had all wood on the walls, Um, it was wood on the floor. She had old furniture in there. She did not want to spend a lot of money and I wanted a challenge. Um, She didn't want to take the wood down off the walls. She was like, totally fine, whatever you want to do, we're going to get this done. And um, I ended up whitewashing her walls. I ended up recovering all of her furniture. Um, And when it was done, she was ecstatic. Um, so for me, she was the first one who opened the door to you know say, can she really creative. do you know can she really do this? Um, but she was pleased.
1: Now, one thing that I love about you is your ability to. I feel like your clientele is more luxury, right? You mm-hmm. you deal more with your higher end type um, individuals, but you are amazing at helping people who are on a budget
4: mm-hmm.
1: have a high-end experience, whether it's from, you know, I remember, uh, I think you were on Good Day Washington and you were talking about, hey, here are some, you know, budget tips to Mm -hmm. having an amazing dining room Mm -hmm. table for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. dinner, or, you know, whatever it is, or for a party. Mm -hmm. So give us a few little pointers of things that we can do. We have like 4th of July coming up, we got Memorial Day coming up. So yeah, so what Um, are some things that we can keep in mind when we're trying to create an elegant experience on a budget?
4: So I think we, (laughs) you know, we live in a world of DIY, Pinterest has made it so that Either someone's going to show you and you think that you can do it. And I think that everybody has some ability um, if you put the effort forth. Um, But tip wise, I would say budget friendly is start off and really decide what it is you want to spend. I cannot say that enough and stick to it. Mm. That's really what's going to keep it. So if you say, you know, this this 4th of July, I want to have 40 people over and I only want to spend four hundred and fifty dollars. You need to make that budget and adhere to it and then decide, okay, well... In order to feed this amount of people, yes, this is what we're going to need. Now, when it comes to decor, um, I want it to look like this. I want it to be luxury. And I'm going to tell you, luxury is less is more. And and, Mm -hmm. in that sense, when it comes to Easter or any holiday setting, Mm -hmm. when you start piling and putting um, a bunch of tchotchkes, which are not my favorite things, all over the place, Mm -hmm. that's what starts to bring your event down. Mm -hmm. Um, Less is more, a simple flower arrangement, um, you know. I will tell you when it comes to flowers, they go a long way and using large blooms make the hugest difference. So choose a hydrangea over roses. You can put one hydrangea in a vase versus five roses that need to go into the same vase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And the look
2: is phenomenal.
1: Correct. Thank you. <laughs> it gives it that full, like it gorgeous. Like, it does. Yes. All right, so what are some of your favorite type of um, things to do? I know you paint. I do. I know you also, like, you do staging for different television programs. I do. Um, so what's your favorite?
4: Uh, fa- one favorite. I just, just get one, one just favorite. Just um, I would probably say writing. hmm I would, I, out of all the things that I do, um, the quiet time when I get to write in response to something, whether it's Luxury Living Magazine or whether it's com, or... So wh- what
1: are you writing? So you write articles and blogs and you write about... Kind of like the same thing that we're having this
4: conversation about. I, I do. Um, you'll see some things on my site, and some things you won't see on the site. But um, I, I, I do write uh, for Realtor. I have written for She Finds many, uh, many times. Um, I just wrote something for Real Simple uh, magazine, Luxury Living magazine. Um, I could go on and on, but yeah, I think writing because it's a quiet space where you get to pull yourself back um, and allow things out of you that are not seen on television mm-hmm. where you're creating something. Um, so I would say writing
1: do you and find that to be true too?
4: Time. It is
2: so for me, it's reading oh yes, um and i'll and I'll probably say the second thing to that is probably marketing um from CEO to CEO or going directly to that person at the top and having that conversation and strategizing on how I'm going to build that relationship. And before I started the business, I hated marketing. <laughs> <laughs> and
4: now you love it. Yes.
1: Yes. Now, how do you feel about, like, because I know you do quite a bit of, like, television and Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, how comfortable are you being the voice and the face of your brand? Because some people are like, I don't want to be the face of it, which is great for me because that's typically what I get hired to do. (laughs) But how does it make you feel being, like, that, the face of what you've built up?
4: I'm very pleased to be the face because it is my journey, um... And I can be sure that what is given is pure to what is me.
2: I love that, especially when you're passionate about it and it's something that you like to do. Mm-hmm. You feel good doing it, and mm-hmm. you feel good displaying
1: it, and you feel good giving back right. to educate others on it. Now, what has been your greatest lesson, um, because of your shift, mm-hmm. you know, in, in careers? What has been one of the greatest lessons that you've encountered um, with the
4: gathering souls? I think my greatest lesson not that I wasn't a consistent person prior but when you're an entrepreneur you can there is no room for inconsistencies you have got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, in all things, not in one thing, um, so in all things. So I think it's for for me, uh, it's, it's definitely been that constant reminder of in order to keep this going and moving, you yourself have got to stay consistent. Mm-hmm.
1: What about you, Nicole? And
2: I would just add to that, I always say it's my ship to sink and I'm not going to let it sink. sink. So being consistent, the good thing about being consistent that doesn't mean that you're the expert in every one of those areas mm-hmm. that you have to do and be in. So where you're not the expert, you find that person to help move you through that. But you're consistent with that person, just as consistent as you are with doing the things you are good at. And I think that's important. Um, I would say probably one of the other number one things that I've learned is knowing where to draw the line. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's not going to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. People are going to have things to say. And it's, as my mentor said, Nicole, he said to me one day as we were sitting at the table and he said, wherever your line is, make sure you don't cross that line. Right. And if you cross that line, that means you've altered something and you've allowed someone to get in your space, but keep your line there. And you can do that pleasantly.
1: And I think the first time I ever heard you speak, Nicole, was the first time that I even um, heard of like scope creep. And, you know, that whole process. So do you deal with scope creep when you're dealing with your or do you want to define scope creep for our listeners who may not know what it is?
4: I'll let Nicole. (laughs) Yeah, I was
1: going to say.
2: So we bring people in like you all the time. And I love interior design. People will come to my house and say, oh, can you do my house? I'm like, this is a hobby. I don't do it anywhere else. But I bring. A lot of the commercial, my bathrooms look commercial and Mm -hmm. different things in my house. Um, So um, with that, the scope creep, she said something about the individual client on the residential side versus the commercial client. You're dealing with multiple people and a budget and trying to give them that vision. You have people, it's almost like 80% of the people that go buy a car. Mm -hmm. You hear their car salesman, whether they're the used car salesman or the new car salesman, they say, these people are out here buying this car and they know they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And so you have that and you have to deal deal with that without disrespecting a person right. or discrediting them. Mm-hmm. And so it's really having a passion for what you do and helping them to understand and really see the vision as to if it's going to make the budget that they have mm-hmm. or if it's going to be more than the budget. Right. And helping them stay within their budget and fit.
4: I think that was, And honesty yeah. is key.
2: Yes. Very much so. Honesty is key. Yes. I call it courageous transparency. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Right. Right.
1: Now, with that, um, I know all of us are moms. How do you balance um, between your business relationships? And when I say relationships, I'm talking about with husband. I'm talking about with friends, family, because I feel like Sometimes all of them tend to suffer a l- little bit, like, you know, at times, um, as well as the business. How do you keep everyone happy and then still have time for self? <laughs> Her in his line. I, I, you know, For me, my biggest challenge is I go
2: until I burn out. Mm-hmm. I just go, go, go. My husband's a morning person. I'm a night person, but I get up in the morning because I'm an entrepreneur and I have to. And if I'm asleep past 6.30 or 7 a.m. on a weekend, I feel like I'm missing something or my day is gone. But the three most important things that my husband says, because I have to eat with clients or or we can't pack lunches, right? Because we're always in the field. So how do you control the 10 pounds that creeps up Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, keep it down? How do you eat well? So it's diet exercise and rest and so I really had to be learn how to become passionate about that and it's hard I'm still a work in progress with it but I you know I would just say those three things being able to balance that and then you know in that time making sure that family time you know you spend family time is so important what about being intentional about it intentional is
3: key it's
4: very key um I know for me God provides order in everything that I do. Um, And so I try to follow what his instruction is first, Mm -hmm. and that is God first, family second, church third, which means business is where, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean give your best not to give your best to your business, right? Mm-hmm. Just like it doesn't mean if you put your business first, you're not supposed to give your best to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the difference is, is we chose the business, right? The business didn't choose us. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some extent, it's the same with our family. But if you talk about our children, they didn't have a choice. right? Um, so with that said, we don't get to choose because they didn't have a choice. That's a have to, Um Balance wise is, um, you start early and you end late, and you give what you have to give.
1: Now i, I, I I'm, an, um, I love hearing how everybody starts their day. Um, I've read so many books on you know this is how you should start your day, and you know the most successful people they get up at five a.m. and these are their routines. What's your routine in the morning? Because I know I get up early, try to beat my kids up, and, <laughs> I'm so I can get some things done. <laughs> yes,
4: I want the real routine. Okay, the real routine is um, I get up, I don't shower first. I don't brush my teeth first. I have a cup of coffee before he wakes. Um, and then I prepare for him lunch, you know, get him up, get him dressed, get him off to school. And, then and when you say him, we talking about the baby, not we, the husband, right? We, yes. Okay. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm like, we
1: got to be specific.
4: Right? Um, get him off to school and then start with self. I do find for myself, like you, I'm naturally an early riser as your husband is. But I do most of my personal work or something for personal self when the house is quiet at nighttime mm-hmm. because I know I'm not gonna have an interruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I'm type A personality, I don't prefer I prefer not to have the interruption. So if I have to wait and table it that I can give it my undivided attention, it's the best way.
2: And what about you, Nicole? For me, I have to make sure I have that quiet time in. So again, that um, the diet, the exercise, the rest. Wait, but what time um, do you wake up in the morning? So I'm up when my husband gets up at quarter to four, and I have to have a conversation with him before he leaves. Um, and Wait, a lot of Wait, you just times- got married,
3: though,
4: right?
2: Uh, going on five years. okay. Oh, yes. that's not just. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times what I do is because I pray in the morning because I work until I fall mm-hmm. asleep. And I used to fall asleep saying my prayers. And I'm like, Lord, this has got to work. And I found praying in the morning or before I leave, it really starts my day, especially if a day is very rough or, or there's those rocks in the road. And so for me, it's prayer, um, exercise. I'm not a big breakfast eater. Yeah. Um, I try to drink my bottled water in the morning, so mm-hmm. I've gotten good about that. And then, um, it, so you said kids. I have, I'm Would a grandma as well. Yeah. So I have two grandchildren, uh-huh. and so my grandson stays a lot as well. And so I may get him ready and take him to school. Um, and then I may be looking at emails, and then I'm out of the door.
1: Okay, so I just gotta back this up for a second because you said you get up at three forty five in the morning. Um, what time do you go to bed? No, I
4: said I talked. I, I don't get out of the t- bed. She, she <laughs> said she talks to <laughs> her, her husband. husband. Yes, I do Before not get out eats. of the bed, <laughs> and she did not say if she falls back to sleep or not. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do.
1: Okay, because I was like, I thought like I'm failing. So after <laughs> he
2: leaves, I'll pray. I'll, uh-huh. You know, do my prayers. And um, if it's at a time I'm reading, I try to read two spiritual books a year. Mm-hmm. I just finished one February, so I won't start another one again until May. Which on one the did you read? Spiritual side, uh, "Draw the Circle." Oh, it's 40 okay. day prayer challenge. Okay. Yeah, by Mark Batterson. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, and so I'll do that in the morning. So I'll go back to sleep until about six thirty, mm-hmm. and then I'll get up. Then. S- it- there are times that I do stay up consistently if I have something big that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I go back to sleep.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Because <laughs> I was like, yo, if you fall asleep working and then you're back up at 345, I feel like I'm not, you know, performing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we have I feel like we've covered a lot. But what keeps you going? You know, when... Things are not always the, its best. And we're going to get into our valley moments very shortly. Um, but what keeps you motivated? Um, because all days are not happy days. And all 345 morning wake-ups, some of those are, you know, fires that you're, you know, waking up trying to put something out.
4: So what propels you to keep moving? I know for myself having chose this for myself is much different than me showing up at a nine to five for someone else. Um, and you said something about I'm not going to allow myself to fail. I don't think any of us right. if we're choosing to do something will allow that. And uh, and that being said, it's a space of this is me. Mm. You know, th- this is me. So if I fail, I'm failing me. I'm mm-hmm. not failing who's behind me. I'm failing myself, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm certainly not willing to do that. And the other thing is, I think any time you are doing what is your passion, you can't stop. This is true. You're like addicted. You are <laughs> very much so, <laughs> and in it's, a good it, way. Yes, it's it's
1: it's interesting also because I find a lot of times if you don't have a business. Like your friends or your family or especially your husband, if they don't understand what it really is Mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur, it makes it very hard for them to get you Um, because you you, you breathe it. Like you can be just out in an event, not even thinking about work. And a conversation can just spark. And the next thing you know, you're, like, in deep, hardcore, talking business, and it's not intentional. You don't mean to be, like, disrespectful to, you know, anything, but it happens.
4: And isn't the truth that you're never not thinking about it? Is that not the truth? That is very true. It's very true.
1: Especially if you're, you know monitoring social media and, you know, I'm big on making sure that the brand is always being represented Mm -hmm. the best way possible. So, um, How about you, Nicole? Yeah, I would
2: say, you know, you talked about intentional. There's so many ways of being intentional. And one of the things that I've had to learn because you are addicted is you have to be intentional on the outside time of your business. That's family time, Mm -hmm. downtime time with yourself, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, friend time as well. Okay, but
1: let's be real. How much intentional downtime do you give yourself in a week? I'm selfish.
2: I have to admit I'm selfish with myself. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that you intentionally have to consistently work on to improve.
1: So but in your downtime. okay. so I'll be the bad person and I'll put myself out there. Um, My downtime for me, like, is writing my book or doing things that is important to Angel. Um, My downtime may not be always going to the spa or doing those types of things, which I enjoy doing as well. But it's how am I bettering myself? How am I building my personal brand? So do you find yourself being selfish where it's Nicole doing things like that, where you're building Nicole.com or
2: building the brand? So See? I'm I'm selfish with the personal side, even for myself. And so that's where I have to work on it. And so that downtime would include, um, you know, just getting that rest, that extra R&R. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just really so important. And as women, we don't do it because we're everything. We're moms. We're, um, you know, we're daughters. We're wives. We're entrepreneurs. We, you know. We just feel like we can do it all, but Mm -hmm. we have to get that rest. I had a person tell me one time, Nicole, you have to halt. And I said, okay, halt. And I I looked at him. It was a uh, past uh, strategic partner that I was working with. I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, you're always going. You're just so energized, but you have to halt. And I had sat down in the chair, took a um, drink of water, and I just said, a meeting was about to start. And I said, well, what do you mean, halt? you know what are you seeing and so he says you have to halt when you're too hungry too angry too lonely or too tired whenever you feel any of those things just halt Mm -hmm. and so i've learned to also say you have to take that break don't let the break take you
1: what's the l for again and
2: lonely lonely lonely. Mm -hmm. okay and you can be lonely in the business Mm -hmm. you really can when you're climbing to the top
1: absolutely yeah i agree All right, so it is time for our moments from the valley. Um, Y'all should already know what (laughs) what y'all want to talk about. But we're going to take a quick break and do our uh, health tip with Dr. Tia Hill. And then we'll be right back after the break. It's time for the woman behind the business health tip with Dr. Tia Hill. And today we are going to talk about those good old detoxes. Dr. Hill, what you got to tell me about some detox? Well, when's the last time you've been had a detox? Uh, <laughs> I don't know.
0: What's your most common detox that you ever heard about? Have you heard of
1: colonics? No, I don't know what colonics is. You asked me that before we started recording. I don't know what colonics is. The, the, okay, so the last one that I think I may have done may have been like seven years ago. And it was like the lemonade one or something. The Beyonce did Oh, I don't know. Okay. There are many, multiple, hundreds
0: and thousands of detoxes. Let me just say that mm-hmm. for one. Um, in the medical field, we do detoxes, especially when we're about to give somebody a colonoscopy or they are constipated. Um, a lot of our grandparents used to use the good old enema.
1: Which, I, and the, um, what did my dad used to take? Um, Prone juice. Cod liver oil. Co- oh, good old cod liver oil. <laughs> see?
0: That, see, that's good stuff. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> And you used to drink a teaspoon in the morning, flush your right on out. But here's the thing about detoxing. Okay. We have, you'd be surprised what is inside of your body. You have people, you're inhaling things. People swallow gum, hair follicles. You get a good flushing out. You might see some things. Yeah. And that is what, what you normally will see in a good colonic. Now. Okay, what is a colonic? So, here's a colonic. A colonic is when. Is it like a colonoscopy? No, but it's like the first cousin in it without being in a colonoscopy. It's when they insert a tube into your anus. And then it. Why can't you say rectum? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and And the water they they it has a machine where it pushes water in so you have something pushing water in and then also retracting water um depending on the facility that you go to someone may be rubbing your stomach um or you can have a massager your legs up in the air no you're on a stool like you're sitting on a machine so you're sitting in a supine arch position mm-hmm. you know what that is nope okay okay So you're sitting in this chair, Mm -hmm. rubbing your stomach, Mm -hmm. and then they'll start to move the bowels. You know, your small intestine, you'll rub your small intestine, your large intestines. The water will shoot up and the pressure will start to relieve so that it can get that backed up fecal, dried along your walls and just softens it up and it allows it to come out. So how much weight do you lose when you do this? It depends on some people have lost drastically like five pounds. I've seen some people who have lost none. I've seen others who they just were able to go to the bathroom, their skin cleared up. Um, They were no longer like just compacted. Yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes we think that everything is weight related, but it wasn't. It's just really getting out that bacteria, those toxins, that fungus. And how often should you actually do a detox? I am a person that I believe that you should always reset your system. I do. I think even when it comes to prescribing medications, depending on the medication, sometimes you just need to allow your body the chance to get back Mm -hmm. to be clear. But for the most part, I would say at least once a year. Okay. And even if that's just like really good clean eating and drinking a lot of water and making sure that you're having bowel movements, it makes a big difference because your medicine has a
1: chance to also work too. Wonderful. All right. Well, that's this week's Woman Behind the Business Health Tip with Dr. Taya Hill. Um, any questions, please feel free to send us a note on our website at WBBTalk.com. All right. Welcome back. Now it is time for our moments from the valley. We're going to start with you, Nicole. Nicole. What do you have for us today? So for me, I would say my
2: biggest moment from the valley is in my first four years of business, just going through a divorce and being 75000 Look up and find out I'm $75,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. And after I started a business and walked away from a job and just said, where am I going? What am I going to do? What does that moment look like? And I had to really pivot and just... Be strategic on what I needed to do with that. And so that was come through that fire, sit still, where I had to sit at my parents for four years, get a son through high school and into college make sure that my uh, credit did not go bad because, again, I had to still be able to sustain contracts and get contracts as well as keep those government clearances on the contracts that I was working on. That was so important. So in sitting at my parents' for four years, I was able to pay that $75,000 in debt back So, and just humble myself.
1: And what did did it take for you to make it through? Um, A lot of times people were like, oh, you know, I had to pray my way through or I had to just really be able to lean on my support system. What was that like?
2: Do you know the biggest thing that got me through um, was praying and tithing? I was never a big tither prior to this situation, and I could remember tithing Uh, I go to First Baptist Church at Glen Arden, Pastor John Jenkins, and I can remember him preaching on tithing, where he used fruit uh, to talk about his tithing lesson. And at that particular time, I didn't know how I was going to make it through the week to put gas money in my car, even feed my son for lunch at school. And I tithe my last few dollars and the Lord saw fit for me to make it through the week, and just to continue to make it. And from that point forward, tithing is one of the main things that I do personally and in my company on a consistent basis.
1: So you tithe both for your company and I for- do.
4: That's funny. So I do. do I. Every- yep. mm-hmm. It I is love very it.
1: important. All right. What's your moment,
4: my love? This was a hard question. I it felt. Was- I'm glad to know it wasn't just me, and you had said it could be personal or professional. Mm -hmm. Um, First thought was, I'm not sure I believe in valleys. I know we talk about them in the Bible. It's referenced. um, But I feel like valleys are foundations for us to look what's above, Mm -hmm. in front of, and um, time to prepare um, not that it's just this negative space where we have to dwell and be low, um, because being low is not always just that. Mm-hmm. With that being said, this is not something that I normally share publicly, but I felt like if I'm going to be truthful and honest, and I, you know me enough to know I always <laughs> am. Um, at the age of 17, I dated a guy that um, someone else had introduced me to. Um, I thought he was okay. Um, And um, we had a few dates, and I decided I didn't want to see him anymore. Then, every 17-year-old, I broke it off with him, and um, he showed up at my mother's house, asked me to come back to his parents' house um, to talk about it. Okay, 17, no problem, sure I will. And upon arriving to his parents' home, he commenced to putting his hands on me to the point that i was pretty unrecognizable and then i had to spend about four hours begging him to leave or take me to the hospital when we got to alexandria hospital he then uh had me lie to the intake nurse and um say that i had gotten in a fight um what i will say to you is prior to that time i had always been um timid um not very forceful Mm -hmm. didn't stand up for myself um I would say passive, just because I never wanted to have a crossword with anyone. And what I will say is, God's grace saved me, brought me through that moment. I never saw myself as a victim. And in the midst of it, it changed who I was. And I'm thankful that it happened at such a young age. And I know that sounds crazy, but it gave me strength to endure. It gave me a different perspective on life. It gave me thought that I wouldn't have now. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave me a story to tell our eldest so that she didn't take the same path. Um, and it doesn't have to be something that's shameful. So while while I took it as a valley moment to speak about, it really was what I said. It was that low spot, but it was only preparing me for what was before me.
1: And And I will say... The part of the reason why I call it Moments from the Valley is because it's a low time, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like on the other side of the valley is where your blessings come. Absolutely. And so because of that, um, in hearing the stories, it always ends with this miraculous lesson learned. It always ends with this is a moment that I didn't know how I was going to make it out of it. I mean, we've had women talk about domestic violence mm-hmm. situations. We've had women talk about how their children and them are laying in a seven-bedroom house, everybody in one bed because they can't afford to pay their heat. Mm-hmm. But they just won like a $7, million, a $7 billion contract, government contract. So these lessons and these valleys that we might go through, the power in sharing the story— is a blessing and a testimony, right? You're sharing your testimony. And it's my belief that by sharing these moments from the Valley, that we can be a blessing to those who are possibly going through a situation or... um Just feeling like there's nobody else dealing with what they're dealing with. And I believe that's the beauty of the woman behind the business talk show. And with that being said, I am so grateful that both of you agreed to join us today. And I would love for you to share contact information, social media information for people to be able to reach out to you because I am a firm believer in connecting people. (laughs) So, please, Nicole, can you share some information with how people can connect with the Ellison group?
2: So, yes. Yeah, so on social media, myself personally, as Nicole Parker, coach and mentor. And Nicole just CEO, had a birthday. Thank you. <laughs> CEO Nicole, C-E-O-N-E-C-O-L-E. And we also have a um, LinkedIn page, the Ellison group. And so I urge people to reach out there as well because we're often putting things out there. And uh, we're located in Lana, Maryland. Our website is
1: www.ellisongroup.com. Awesome. And Ellison is essentially Nicole spelled backwards.
4: Remember, it's N-E-C-O-L-E. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, It's Gathering Souls, which is www.gathering-souls.com. For Twitter, it is Gathering Souls 1. For Instagram, it is Gathering Souls. Um, And reach out. For any interior design. Yes.
1: Well, I really believe that this show has been a blessing to the people who have tuned in today. Um, I want to thank you both for joining us. And for anyone, if you're interested in listening to past broadcasts, you can visit us online at WBBtalk.com. And there you can find information about both the Ellison Group as well as Gathering Souls. And I have to definitely say thank you to our program director, Max Myrick, and our producer, Kyle Murdoch. Until next time, stay blessed.